Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. <laughs> it's funny because um, quite often we think we need to be an expert to do anything. And really, all that we need to do is be available to do something, right? Um, that's all that we, we need to be. Uh, that, that's a very funny video because I think we all come up with those excuses not to do something, right? We come up with those excuses not to move forward in our lives or to help somebody or to get involved in something because we don't feel qualified. We don't feel like we have the means or the ability or the, the talent or the skill, all those kinds of things. And today we're continuing that series, Why Not Us? Why not us living a God-sized life? Why can't you and I be the ones who are living a, a life that shows how big God is? Not how big we are, but how big God is. Do you believe he's big? Do you believe? I, I tell my class, I, I teach a, a university class called Christian Thought. And um, part of the class is, is going over the omnis, which is the omnipresence. God is ever-present, omnipotent. God is all-powerful, omniscient. God is all-knowing. If you knew those three things about the God we serve, if those things are realities, then wouldn't we live very differently? If he's all-knowing, wouldn't we trust what he knows? If he's all-powerful, wouldn't we depend on his power? If he is um, <clears throat> ever-present and he's always there, even in those lonely moments, we'd experience the power of God. I love that. But first, we need to get a couple things out of the way. Go Rams. <clears throat> okay? Go Rams, beat the Bucks, take down Brady... Show him he might be the goat of this game in the negative sense of goat, okay? And uh, I don't know what you believe about that. Also, I want to encourage you to get involved in groups. Make sure that you're connecting with um, the, you know, the glue in any church is relationships. And, and that's what we want to build in the context of our groups. And so we have a strategy at Journey. We call it uh, meet. We meet like this on Sundays and we receive inspiration to live and be like Christ. We mingle, we mingle, which is our group strategy. We mingle together. We share life together. We, we pray. We study. We learn. We serve. All of those things we mingle. Um, <clears throat> we model. We model the life and likeness of Jesus. That's our discipleship strategy. And, and we merge. We merge into the world. We merge into the journeys of others. Instead of just saying, hey, you guys come join us, we go merge into their lives. And um, Mingle is a big part of that. And we want to encourage you, go look at the website, check out the groups. Not all the groups are there yet. We're still developing a couple other groups that I think you'll enjoy. And so um, <clears throat> if, you, if you're not ready this week, you don't find something there, hopefully in the next week or two, you will see what um, is available to you. So excited about that. Well, Why Not Us is all about realizing that we must believe that God can do anything through us. God's work is not reserved for the special, talented, or extra gifted. It is available to the available, not just the able. I think it's really important that we keep hearing that over and over throughout the series. And that our vision is not about the condition of the world. It's about the condition of man's heart. Like I've said before, we're not trying to solve all the problems of the world. We're not trying to rid the world of COVID. We're not trying to, to, to change all the other things that are in our world that are confusing and frustrating and crazy. 
We're trying to understand that our role, our mission, and what Jesus came to do was not solve all the problems of the world, but solve the problem of the heart. And that is that you and I have sin in our lives, and everybody else does, and he came to deliver us from that sin, set us free from that sin, give us freedom to live a life of joy, peace, and challenge as we go and be missionaries to this world. So um, our, our vision here at Journey is not to just address the condition of the world, but address the condition of man's heart. The church does not react to the situations of our world. We react to his heart. Without Jesus, our heart is wicked. No matter how good or bad the world is, it's still wicked, the heart. Without Jesus, there is no forgiveness of sins, and the world is destined to hell. We have to have Jesus in this world. Without Jesus, a man's heart will never know peace or contentment. I love that we can know peace, we can know contentment. Without Jesus, man will never know love. And therefore, our vision is to address the condition of the heart. And today we're going to talk about this idea of little things. Little things. Little things that matter. Little things that make a difference. Have you heard the saying, uh, go big or go home? <laughs> it's a great statement. I love that statement, especially as a leader, because it challenges me to, to, to be willing to risk. It challenges me to go further than I've ever gone before. It challenges me to think bigger than I've ever thought. And at the same time, the, uh, it, it challenges me to also think um, too small to go big. If I'm honest, I, I get insecure about going big. I get insecure about thinking big or trying big things. When I was a kid, I, you know, I had some friends that were always trying to jump their bikes. And that we were always have these, you know, these bikes, these Schwinns. I don't know if you ever remember the Schwinn bike, but um, <clears throat> I was pedaling, pedaling, and they would build these jumps that were just humongous. They were about a foot off the ground. I, I saw them as big, and they, they were like flying off these jumps, going as fast as they can, and I would go, ba-dum-bum. I wasn't a risk guy. I was, I was, when I was a kid, I was, uh, man, I was scared of everything. I was afraid to, to go over a jump and, and really land hard and all those kinds of things. And uh, I, I, I was afraid to go big. My brother was crazy. He would jump anything. When we got our motorcycles, he would fly as fast as he possibly could, and he would jump all kinds of things. And I was always going, room, boom, you know, just kind of the safe jump. He was always doing the risky jump, kind of doing the laying down the bike on, in the air and all that kind of stuff. And I was like going, room, boom, you know. And uh, when I went crazy, then I wrecked. <clears throat> it, was, it, was, it was crazy. Most of us think that we're too small to go big. But here's what I want to challenge us this morning is we need to go small and go home. And that'll all make sense in just a little bit. There's sayings that say, eat an elephant one bite at a time. Right? Don't try and take the whole elephant all at once. Just one bite at a time. One step in front of the other. That's what people say when they're trying to motivate people. Just take one step. One step at a time. Don't worry about it. One day at a time. That's some people that are facing challenges and, and you talk to them and they're saying, you know what, I'm, I'm not looking at the big picture. I'm looking at the small picture. I'm just trying to make it one day at a time. One small step, one day at a time. 
Another saying is it's, it's a, a marathon, not a sprint, right? You're not trying to get the whole distance real fast, but if I just take, just stay steady and continue to go, then I can make this long race and I can survive it. And I think one of the things that we need to understand is go big or go home isn't a bad statement at all in, in itself and it's a good leadership motto and all those kinds of things. But we have to understand that quite often it's not the go big thing that happens to, to make big things happen. It's the small things. It's the small steps that help us move forward. I think too many people, especially in the Christian world, are waiting for the big thing. You and I are, are like, we, I'm waiting for revival. I'm waiting. I'm, I know revival's on its way. You know what revival is? It's everybody being faithful to do what God has called them to do. That's what revival is. Revival isn't, isn't the, the and, and it can be, and it is part of, revival is that miracle that happens. Revival is that energy that builds in the church. Revival is that conviction that happens in our hearts and motivates us to go do great things for God. But what revival truly is, and a sustainable revival is when people are faithful to do what God has called them to do. And likely, and what we're going to see in just a moment, is it's not these big, massive, huge things. It's these little steps that make a big difference. A big difference. In Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, it says this. It says, Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, by, by, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. What a powerful, powerful passage of Scripture. And notice it doesn't say, um, don't forget to show all kinds of miracles. It doesn't say, make sure that everyone you meet with has this um, overwhelming sense of the power of God. It doesn't say that. It says, don't forget to show hospitality. Hospitality, what is that? It's, and, and we're thinking, oh man, I got to pray and bring the presence of God down. And, and I'm not against any of what I'm saying. But I, but I hope you understand that too often we approach the, the power and the might and the ability of God. We, we approach it in such a way that we're waiting for something to happen instead of being a part of something to happen. And those, those moments of being part of it is simply showing someone hospitality. It's a smiling face at the door as people walk in. It's a cup of tea. It's a glass of water. It's cookies. It's a meal. It's warmth. It's a coat. It's a dollar. It's 50 cents. It's, it's whatever you might be put in a position to be able to do. It's not that big, big thing. It's not that huge, oh, I got to do this and I got to pray 10 hours a day and I got to do all of these things and I have to be able to, uh, my shadow when it crosses somebody's path should be able to heal somebody. Those are all amazing things and I pray that those happen to you. I have no problem with that, that kind of miraculous power. But I do believe that what God is focusing on and, and, and what God is trying to speak to us is, Let's go small. 
in faithfulness and watch God's power take it further than we could imagine. Let's go small in everything we do and in every effort we make. Just be faithful to take the next step, to take the next bite out of the elephant, to take the opportunity to serve somebody, to show hospitality. I want you to hear this. You don't have to go big. Just go. Did you hear that? You don't have to go big. Just go. Do something in the name of Jesus and watch the power of the Holy Spirit move like never before. I like what one author said. He said this, that some of the clearest calls God has given us are being ignored because we are measuring their impact by our own egotistical standards, proving we are more concerned with the sensationalism of spirituality than the literal saving of souls. Ouch. That's a prophetic word right there. Listen again. Some of the clearest calls God has given us are being ignored because we are measuring their impact by our own egotistical standards, proving we are more concerned with the sensationalism of spirituality than the literal saving of souls. We are more concerned about that big thing and what it means to, for, for us to be a part of it and, and to, to be able to be a part of that miracle than we are willing to hand somebody a cup of water, a jacket, a dollar, a smile, whatever it may be. We are called to go, to do something big. Why not us? Why not us? Because we, in most cases, it's not us because we're waiting for the big thing. We're waiting for that big talented person, that big gifted person, that, that, that person that has all the skills and abilities. They're going to show up someday and we're going to see it happen. That's not the way it works. Maybe we've been trained that way, but it's not the way it works in the Christian world. God wants us to simply be faithful with whatever he puts in front of us. Too many little opportunities have been missed because we're waiting for the big one. Because we're waiting for the big one. James 2.14 says this, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Is dead. We have to have faith that does something, not faith that waits for something to happen. You see, the happening happens when the happening happens. Are you, are you with me? <laughs> it's, like, it's like, go and be warm and well fed while I go order my pizza. <laughs> the happening happens when we feed. The happening happens when we clothe. The happening happens when we smile. The happening happens when we take a bold moment and say, do you mind if I pray with you? Peter at the gate, beautiful. Guy's begging because he's crippled. 
And he's begged for all of his life and he, he's unable to walk. And Peter says, silver and gold, I don't have. I don't have it. Pulls his pockets out. No gold, no silver. But what I do have in the name of Jesus walk. Now I know that's a go big thing, right? Many of us can't relate to somebody popping up from being crippled all their lives. And that is a big deal. But all Peter had was faith. And that's all he could call upon when he made that call. Faith must have deeds. And if it doesn't, it's dead. And I know you are committed and I'm committed to not be a part of a dead church. Right? We're not going to be a part of a church, a, a group of people, not a building, but a group of people who are acting in faith, doing whatever the opportunity leads us to see. You don't have to go big, just go. You don't have to go big, just go. There's another passage of scripture that helps us see this even clearer. In Matthew chapter 25, it says this in verse 31. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people from one, one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. This just tells us that there are two groups of people, and we'll see what those groups of people, are, how they're identified in just a moment. But the most important part of this to understand in this little portion of the passage is that there's judgment coming. That there's a judgment that God's going to weigh in on our identities. He's going to weigh in. And then he says in verse 34, Then the king will say to those on his right, Who's on his right? The sheep. He says to the sheep, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. There's a reward for sheep. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Now, do any of those things sound impossible? Do any of those things require that we have some measure of faith that takes us way beyond our capacities? that we could not imagine or believe that we could be a part of something like that? None of those do. Most of us could help a hungry person. Most of us could give a glass of water to a thirsty individual. Most of us could welcome a stranger. Most of us could give clothes to somebody who needs them. Most of us can help take care of the sick or visit someone in prison. Most of us, if not all of us, I believe all of us could. Those are, those are normal things. Those are what most people would call small things. Little things. Things that all of us can do. These are the identifying measures that Jesus is using to call people on part of his family and the other part not. You see, these are just little things. You don't have to go big just have to go. Verse 37, Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a 
a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. What's, what's, what's so cool about this passage is that these people didn't even know they were doing it. It was their character. It was out of their natural who they were as Christ followers. It, it is the very nature of people who, who follow Jesus to see a need and meet it. It's our nature. It's who we are. We're like, I'm just walking along the street and I feel like helping somebody. That's what Jesus does. But there's nothing big about those things. It's just little. But the nature of the Christian is what is spoken loudly here. What, hold on, Lord. When did we do that? He's like, you did it. What do you mean when did you do that? It was your character. What Jesus sees is not just what we do, but the nature of who we are, which is him. That's what he sees when he's going to judge us. When he shapes, the, when he separates the sheep from the goats, he's going to go, yep, you have the image of Jesus, you don't. And he's going to determine that by not See, this, these things that they do, let's, let's not get confused theologically here. You can't earn your salvation. So you're not doing things to earn your way in, but you are identified by the things you do. Does that make sense? So give up on trying to do things so that you get in heaven. That comes from the work of the cross. That comes from Jesus forgiving us of our sins. That comes from the, the reality of understanding and knowing that Jesus is, is taking, is, is, uh, died on the cross, that his blood was shed so that our sins could be forgiven. And we receive that by faith. But the becoming of who we are once that happens is evidenced by how we treat people. And when we start treating people like Jesus, we become a sheep. The following description is kind of ugly. Then he will say to those on his left, the goats, these are not the greatest of all time. Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They, will also, they also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? What, a, what an amazing contrast between those who follow Jesus and those who don't. The contrast is, is, is pretty easy to see if you take just a moment to look at this. First of all, he says, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. The hell was never intended for humanity. And then we find that these people didn't ever see the need 
See, see, followers of Christ see needs and meet them. Followers of ourselves don't even see the need and serve ourselves. And we have to be careful there. We have to measure our heart. We have to understand what's happened inside. Is God making a difference in our lives? I think this is one of the missing ingredients sometimes of, of especially the American church where uh, studies have been done to say that we are more, we are just as much like the world as the world. And the world doesn't see the difference in the church. And if the church is no different than the world, why would the world want the Jesus that we serve? And so it's imperative that we understand that Jesus makes a difference, transforms the inside. And when that inside is transformed, something happens in our way of living. We see needs that we never saw before. We see hearts that, we see, that we've never seen before. We express love like we've never expressed love before. Why? Because we've first been loved. And now we love. Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty? They didn't see it. And my encouragement to you is to kind of not realize that we don't do things to get saved. We do things because we are saved. We do things because Jesus is inside, not because we want Jesus' approval or uh, confirmation. We, we, don't, we can't earn our salvation. I just want to make that super clear because this passage has been preached wrong in the past. Not here, but in, in many different places. To communicate that you have to do things to be saved. No, the things that we do are evidence of our salvation. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited about that because we are saved and we have Jesus in our hearts and we have the opportunity to see needs and meet them. In just a few weeks, I'll be talking about the 40 miles of prayer. We're going to do a campaign. 40 miles of prayer. And you work, walk 40 miles every day and pray. <clears throat> just kidding. I'm so excited about this because I believe it's led of the Lord. I believe it's, it's been born in our hearts as a leadership team to lead our church in 40 miles of prayer, praying one mile a day around our neighborhoods for our neighborhoods. And while we're walking and while we're praying, I believe we will see needs like we've never seen them before. And I believe we'll see opportunities to pray. I believe we'll see opportunities to serve. I believe we'll see opportunities to minister our, to our neighbors and like we've never seen before. And 40 miles of prayer will have an amazing impact on those neighborhoods, on our neighborhoods, on us, as we meet and touch and minister to the lives of people within our communities. 40 miles of prayer. Super excited about that. More to come. That was a teaser. <clears throat> Verse 45 says, He will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then... They will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. To eternal life. That eternal life was promised long before they started serving. But it was the result of what happened in their hearts. And a result 
of what happened in their hearts translated into meeting the people's needs in their world. We don't have to go big or go home. We can go small and go home. You see that you see what happens here in this message? If you meet the needs of people, it is evidence of who you are in Christ, and you get to go small and go home. Eternal life, heaven. And that's the beauty of what God is calling us to do today, is not to make excuses and go, oh, I'm, I don't have enough faith to pray for that person. I don't have enough faith to make a difference. I don't, I, no, excuses are gone. Excuses are gone. It, if you can provide a bottle of water, if you can provide a, a, a jacket or a blanket or a pair of socks or whatever it's possible for you to meet a need that you see, you don't have to go all the way. My wife and I were talking the other day and, and, and saying part of this is like thinking that what, what you really have to do when we think about having somebody over for a meal is I got to put out filet mignon, I got to uh, cook all the gourmet meal. No. Throw some dogs on the, on the barbecue or the hibachi or the stove or whatever it takes and just eat hot dogs and chips. And if you want to go to heaven, serve up some Mexican food. (laughs) Let's go small and go home. These little acts of faith will have huge impacts. These are the things that make a difference and mean something to the heart of God. And when we embrace that and when we encourage that in our own lives, in our own hearts and amongst our kids and all those kinds of things, it changes the world. How do we be world changers? One person at a time. One act of faith at a time. One small step after another. One bite of the elephant at a time. One moment where we just take and say one little thing One word of encouragement. Silver and gold, I don't have, but can I pray for you? Can I I meet that need in your life? Let your eyes be opened. I remember when I first became a Christian, I noticed this thing that happened to me where I, I gained some kind of compassion for people. And I started seeing that people from a very different view. And I'm not trying to make myself out to be anything special because I believe it's true of any of us that, that open our minds and hearts to Jesus, that if we let Jesus work through us, we begin to see what he sees. And so you see the loneliness in, the, in people. You see the brokenness in marriages. You see the, the challenges people are facing when they're going through stuff. And I just believe today that God is calling the church, not just Journey, but all churches, just those little acts of faith. In all of these passages, nowhere did it say you have to be Moses who's splitting the seas and um, all those kinds of things. We always, us preachers, are, love those stories because it's, they're motivating, right? Uh, Man, let's go out and part the waters. And you're like, well, I'm, where? <laughs> Lake Casitas? <laughs> Not a lot of water there. We can walk on most of that lake already. 
But what if we serve up water? What if we hand a piece of, you know, go get a Big Mac and some fries and hand it out, whatever the case may be. God's going to use you this week. God's going to give you those small things to do. And as you do, you're going to have a big impact. You may not see it now, but you will see it. And he's going to do amazing things in your life. God, we thank you so much for the small things that people have done in our lives. I think it was just one small invitation for me to go live with a youth pastor. And I did. I became a Christian. I thank you, God, for that invite. I thank you for that opportunity to experience your love and grace like I never experienced it before. And it was that thing that led me to you. One small invitation. I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would just speak to who's here online and on site, that you would challenge us all to follow you with our whole hearts and that we could see our world through the lens of your eyes. And we stop thinking that we're too small to go big, but realize, God, that the small things that you want us to do will have a big impact. And I pray that every person in this room would embrace their calling to do something for you, to serve this community in your name. And when we do that, you will show up. For the insecure, I pray that you give them an extra dose of confidence. For the, for the well-off and the, and, and the confident, I pray that you help them, Lord, to move bigger and further than they've ever moved. And Lord, we do want to have a big impact. We do want to make a big difference. But we realize that we have to eat this elephant one bite at a time. So we commit to serve the needs of our community. We commit to serve the needs of people around us. And we'll use whatever you have given us to do that. And I pray right now that you touch each heart with that burden and with that vision to address the condition of man's heart. We're not trying to solve the problems of the world. We're trying to meet people where they are and in the condition of their heart. And we will do it in your name. Maybe you're here today and you have yet to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've realized that the one big thing that Jesus did for you was die on a cross so that your sins could be forgiven. And today I want to invite you to invite him into your life. And he will give you a new lens to see through. He will give you a new sense of purpose and direction. He'll give you joy and true love like never before. And I just want to pray for you right now. If you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, will you just simply pray this prayer after me? Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of the mistakes I've made over my lifetime. And I accept that forgiveness realizing that you died on a cross so that my sins could be forgiven. You ransomed my life with your life. And I accept that forgiveness today. And I thank you for it. I believe that you were raised from the dead and now promise me eternal life. And I will live with you forever. And I commit to follow you for the rest of my life.
pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.